Hello, everyone. Dr. Alan Mischer here from the Vitality Explorer podcast. You are listening to the theme from Mission Impossible, which is going to reflect one of our topics for the day. Uh, Our goal here on the Vitality Explorer podcast is to optimize your vitality one person at a time. And we're going to always start with a quote. And here is the quote for this week. It comes from Von Goethe. Quote, the hardest thing to see is what is right in front of your eyes. The hardest thing to see is what is right in front of your eyes. We have three topics this week, like we typically do. And the first is to choose the impossible mission, thus the new theme music for this podcast. The second is vitamin D, an anti-inflammatory superhero. And the third is cold exposure and deep breathing, the dynamic duo of anti-inflammatory and anti-inflammatories. So our goal here with the Vitality Explorer podcast is to take the friction out of staying vital and to help you make deposits in your Vitality bank account. Um, You can see the details and the references to all of these posts on the Vitality Explorer Substack site online. You can also sign up at vitalityexplorers.com to receive a free text message newsletter that comes to your phone once a week. This has been really exciting this week to go over three very interesting topics, but we're going to start with Choose the Impossible Mission. Now, seeing the new Tom Cruise uh, Mission Impossible movie last weekend inspired me to write this post. Uh, The awesome cast of characters and the nonstop action kept me entertained for more than two hours. And as always on either the movies or on the old TV show, there was one key point where Ethan Hawke, Agent Ethan Hawke, which is Tom Cruise's character, is given the choice of taking or refusing an impossible mission to save the world. And in this particular movie, it doesn't give anything away, but the mission was to attack or destroy or somehow thwart an evil AI named the Entity. So Cruise had to decide if he was going to take that. But I think all of us are given the seemingly impossible mission to take ownership over our lives. It's a very serious topic, actually, because too often we reject that choice and seek to blame other people for our circumstances or our circumstances. So we're, we're looking to binge at the buffet of excuses and find either other people or circumstances that are thwarting our impossible mission to lead our most vital lives. But watching that movie sparked me to help all of us with the difficult task of making better choices and decisions. So my suggestion, my plea, is to accept the impossible mission and then rise up into the vitality zone. Too many people, perhaps too many people listening to this, however, are in the burnout zone right now. Not in the vitality zone, but in the burnout zone. And this is a zone where we are overwhelmed with life and having difficulty figuring out our best next step. I really think, and this is based on some of the work I did with my book, Dare to be Vital, which you can find on Amazon, but I think there's four zones of living. The zone of vitality, which is where we hope to all be, a zone of surviving where many of us are just trying to get through the day and maybe we're not making too many mistakes or missing too many deadlines, but we're certainly not vital. Then there's the sliding zone where we start to miss deadlines, where we start to disappoint people, our friends, our family, our bosses. And then finally in the burnout zone. And in the burnout zone, it is very difficult to get out on your own. But how can we reverse the slide into the burnout zone and rise up into the vitality zone? I think there's three things we can think about. First, 
We need to remember that vitality is a skill we can learn. Second, we can learn vitality is a gift we can only give ourselves. And third, we can trust in ourselves to get just a little bit better every day. I call this betting on yourself. Bet on yourself to get better. Now, there's something that fascinating that happens when you bet on yourself. If you really go into a quiet room, go into the bathroom, shut the door, look yourself in the mirror and say, I am going to bet on me to get better. I'm going to get bet on me to get better despite whatever my circumstances are, despite whatever challenges are in my life. And if you walk out of that bathroom or you walk out of that quiet space and you have committed to yourself, not to anybody else, but to yourself, that you're going to be a better version of yourself tomorrow, something fantastic happens. You know what that is? Your confidence soars, okay? Because you're not relying on anybody else to get you better. You're relying on yourself to get better. You're remembering that vitality is a skill that you can learn. You're remembering that vitality is a gift only you can give yourself. So here's my suggestion, is that we commit to working on this at least commit to working on at least one component of our vitality in the next billion seconds. And we've talked about the million second challenge before, but this is the impossible mission that we can accept or we can reject. It's okay. You can reject. But if you look on the calendar approximately 12 days from now, circle that date. Think about what your biggest need is. That could be physical, mental, social, or spiritual. And then write that down on a little card, flip it over, and write three things you're going to do to get better and address that need. And do it in the context of something you can do for yourself. Do not rely on other people to do that for you. And here's another important concept. Silence the voice of judgment in your head and have a bias towards action. Silence the voice of judgment in your head means to discount that little voice that says you can't do it. And having a bias towards action means that you need to take action, okay? In order to take action, you need to do something. If you don't do anything, the likelihood of you getting further ahead is pretty much zero, right? So there are a lot of things you can think about. There's a lot of different versions of what may be your biggest need. Let's go through some of these. You could work on your strength, endurance, flexibility, sleep, diet, or weight. These are all your physical vitality skills. Your strength, your endurance, your flexibility, your sleep, your diet, or your weight. You could also work on your mental vitality. And those are things like trying to be more present, more patient, more passionate, more positive, tougher, or more tranquil. And again, you can look on the Vitality Explorer Substack site to see some diagrams that I use to help teach this for my vitality courses and seminars. Um, and I think being tough and tranquil are two components of mental vitality that are under-recognized. You can also work on your social vitality skills by prioritizing meaningful social connections. This is simply, this is the fun part, right? You can go out with a friend for a meal, for a drink, for an activity, get connected to a new club or an organization, get out of your own way and just do something with somebody else. Just get involved socially and watch your vitality rise. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, you could work on your spiritual wellness by believing in something bigger than yourself. This could be volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club or a retirement home. It could be helping out with a specific cause that is important to you. It could be going to a religious service. It could simply be serving somebody else in need. Just believe that you can make a difference and you will. Okay? Remember that what is impossible with man is possible with God. You can look at some of the, again, some of this stuff on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. But I am imploring all of us to take 
that chance to take that impossible mission to believe that you can be more vital. Remember, vitality is a skill you can learn. Vitality is a gift only you can give yourself and trust in yourself to get a little bit better every day. But don't wait till tomorrow. Begin today to focus on the parameters of your life that you have agency over. I had to look that word up, agency, because I wasn't really sure. It sounds like a fancy word, right? But the agency means that that's something you have control over. And I think some of us who have a lot of things going on or maybe a lot of circumstances or challenges believe that we don't have any agency. I reject that. I think there are some things that we have agency over. We certainly can't control everything, but we can control some components of our vitality. Own those things that you can control. Believe you can complete the impossible mission of rising into the vitality zone. Identify your biggest vitality need. Set your mind to action mode, okay? You're not going to get anywhere if you don't do something, right? Then begin to address that need. And remember, your future self will thank you. So again, this is just my concept. I got inspired by watching the the new Tom Cruise movie, which I really enjoyed. Check it out if you can. I'm going to go back and see, I'm a big movie fan. I'm going to go back and see the Oppenheimer movie tonight. Uh, So fired up about that. Let's move on to the second topic for this week, and that is vitamin D is an anti-inflammatory superhero. All right. Now we've talked about vitamin D in the past on the Vitality Explorer podcast. You can look at other posts that have been on there, including how uh, vitamin, lower vitamin D is associated with higher knee inflammation. But a new study uh, adds to the mounting evidence that vitamin D is an anti-inflammatory superhero. And this study was called Vitamin D Status and Associations with Inflammation in Older Adults. The study evaluated almost 5,400 people over age 50 in Ireland. And the primary objective was to evaluate the system, systematic inflammatory marker CRP, also known as C-reactive protein. Now, C-reactive protein is produced in the liver in response to inflammation, and elevation of this molecule has been found to be a predictor of things like cardiovascular disease and, and literally even dying. Here are the primary conclusions of the study. Quote, higher levels of vitamin D were associated with lower levels of inflammation even after adjustment for obesity, smoking, physical inactivity, and other chronic conditions. And optimizing vitamin D levels could help modulate inflammation. Okay, that's really important. Optimizing vitamin D levels could help modulate inflammation. Think about that. You can take Motrin, Advil, Aleve, some other anti-inflammatory, some other thing, or you could try to optimize your vitamin D level. I've been doing this for years in my patients and myself, my friends and my family, and there is no question vitamin D, it's not my opinion anymore. There's a huge amount of data that vitamin D is connected to your immune system, and this particular paper I think adds to that level uh, that level of evidence. It's fascinating. So they looked again at CRP levels, which is a marker of inflammation. Normal were found in about 84%, elevated in 11%, and high in 5%. And then here's another quote from the paper. Quote, CRP concentrations were lower in participants with normal versus deficient vitamin D status. And the p-value for those people who are statisticians out there was 0.0001, so this is highly statistically significant, okay? And the regression statistical analysis found insufficient or even sufficient vitamin D status were less likely to have uh, CRP compared to the deficient status. Now, this gets into the weeds a little bit, but the details are important. And um, 
the deficient in this particular study were people who had a level, which was, in my opinion, really low, less than 12. Uh, insufficient was defined as 12 to 20, and this is uh, nanograms per milliliter. And then uh, sufficient was considered a high, 20 or higher. Now, we can talk about later about whether those are the proper definitions of deficient, insufficient, or sufficient. But in this particular study, that's the levels that they used. And the participants that were deficient, that is lower than 12, were also more likely to have C-reactive protein that was higher. Uh, and, and that's across a variety of ages. And when you looked at the age groups, this was especially true in, in the older group, the, the much older part of the group in the people in their 70s. So if you were deficient, your CRP could be as high as 13.7, which is very high. So here's a, here's a concluding quote from the paper. In conclusion, older adults with deficient vitamin D status had higher levels of inflammation as measured by CRP, C-reactive protein. Given that inflammation is an important pathologic driver of chronic disease of aging, and emerging evidence suggests vitamin D therapy can reduce inflammation in some disease set settings, optimizing vitamin D status could represent an effective, low-risk, and low-cost pathway to modulating inflammation in community-dwelling older adults. All right, the study went on to address how vitamin D reduces inflammation, it modulates the immune system via a variety of signaling pathways, and has been found to influence the production of inflammatory cytokines such as IL-6 and TN-alpha. So importantly, cross-sectional and randomized controlled studies have shown that vitamin D status is associated with higher risk of infections, and vitamin D supplementation uh, has been associated with reduced symptoms and reduced antibody antibiotic use. Okay, so that's, that's a quote actually also from the study. That's pretty fascinating, right? Low vitamin D status has been associated with a higher risk of infection and vitamin D supplementation has been associated with reduced symptoms and reduced antibiotic risk. So here's sort of the vitality explorer analysis and recommendation. This was a big study, over 5,000 people, and it confirms that vitamin D levels are associated excuse me, low vitamin D levels are associated with higher systemic inflammation. And this is crucial because it's relatively inexpensive to identify people who are low in their vitamin D and then supplement it. Uh, so vitamin D, I do believe, could be an anti-inflammatory superhero. You can post your comments and see the references on the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. Um, if you have not had your vitamin D checked and you are over 50, I highly recommend you get it done. Your doctor may or may not agree with you. There are ways to get it done, but I'm becoming more of a bulldog on a bone about your vitamin D. I've had deep, deep experience with this in my practice, myself, my family. Um, there's a lot of mythology about vitamin D out there, but there's pretty much zero downside to, to getting it tested uh, and then getting it optimized, okay? So check that out, read about yourself, talk about it with your doctor, your, your, uh, and if you have any risk factors associated with low vitamin D, make sure you get it checked and get it corrected to an excellent level. Okay, let's finish up with another thing that can fight inflammation, and that is deep breathing and cold exposure. And I call these the dynamic duo of fighting inflammation. And I, I put up a snarky picture of Batman and Robin, I had Batman as deep breather and Robin as cold exposure. I put the little pow emoji or pow thing on there. You can check that out in the Vitality Explorer subsect site. I'm trying to have a little fun with this, but I really do think the data and new data suggests that deep breathing and cold exposure 
are a dynamic duo. A variety of celebrities, you know, everything from Madonna to Lady Gaga to Floyd May- Mayweather, Mayweather, excuse me, Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, have adopted cold exposure as a way to prevent or recover uh, and to enhance their longevity. Now, the practice of cold exposure and deep breathing initially was popularized by a Dutch guy, and he's got a crazy interesting name, Wim Hof, W-I-F, and then last name H-O-F, Wim Hof. Uh, He advocated for a series of deep breathing exercises followed by exposure to cold. He became sort of famous in in Europe when he did, I think, a 50-meter, maybe it was even longer than that, um, under ice swim and uh, he did it on tv and and you know you can look up videos about wim hof online if you like but this the 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 new data took two different studies combined them into one and added to the existing body of evidence suggesting that deep breathing and cold exposure are the dynamic are a dynamic duo the title of the study was quote the effects of cold exposure training and breathing exercise on, it, on the inflammatory response in humans, a pilot study. So the first part of the investigation evaluated short breathing training sessions or extensive breathing training in 40 healthy males. All right, the researchers then recorded their blood epinephrine, and epinephrine is also known as adrenaline, and it's connected to sort of that fight or flight response you have, and also is sort of an indication that your sympathetic nervous system has been activated. So breathing and holding it, or breathing with Retention resulted in higher levels of epinephrine and lower oxygen saturation percentages. So you can see these charts that I put up on the Vitality Explorer Substack site showing that when you retain your breath, um, you have increased epinephrine and then your oxygen saturation goes down. Okay, It's very fascinating but very consistent. Um, And then the second part of the study looked at 48 healthy male volunteers that were randomized into in into either cold exposure training with breathing exercises or a combination of both or no training. And then the researchers were injected with something called LPS, lipopolysaccharide, which is sort of a component of bacteria. It's a well-known research protocol uh, that is, it is used to invoke an inflammatory response in the body. Okay, so you're looking at 48 healthy volunteers. They are going to do one of these protocols where they're going to get cold breathing exercises or a combination of both or nothing, then they're given a challenge. So this is an idea of like, if you get sick, this is an idea of like, if you're going to get sick, you're going to have this bacteria, which is going to cause an inflammatory response in your body. Then blood tests were used to determine how your body responded to this inflammatory uh, uh, challenge uh, by injecting the LPS. All right, here's a couple quotes. Quote, the breathing exercise protocol led to significantly enhanced anti-inflammatory and attenuated pro-inflammatory cytokine levels. Second one is, quote, cold exposure training significantly enhanced the immunomodulatory effects of the breathing exercise. So they were looking at markers, again, TNF-alpha is one, IL-6 is another one where they're looking at them. Um, but it was clear, and here's the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendation. Acute inflammation, meaning like immediate, uh, is sort of a natural response we have. Like if you cut yourself or if you get sick, you know, so an injury or an inf- in infection, you get acute inflammation. And that's really important because that helps you either heal the wound fight or fight off the infection. The opposite, chronic inflammation uh, can lead to a series of health problems. And, it's, and chronic inflammation is really associated with aging. It's also associated with things like nasty things, heart disease, cancer, arthritis, and finding finding ways to f- 
control chronic inflammation, I think is absolutely incredible, incredibly important. And this study investigated the effects of two different breathing exercises and cold exposure on inflammation. They found that when you were doing the breathing exercises, it, you found increased levels of adrenaline or epinephrine and a reduction in the pro-inflammatory cytokines. And a cytokine is like a little molecule that can promote inf inflammation. And they also found that cold exposure alone did not have a significant effect on inflammation, but it did enhance the effects of the breathing exercises. So that's pretty interesting, right? So this is as good a study as we've had in the literature so far to test out Wim Hof's theory about deep breathing and cold exposure. And it turns out that he was correct. He was correct in stating that you should do the deep breathing and the cold exposure. Disclaimer here, by the way, I'm not suggesting anybody do this. This is a presentation of the data uh, that is published. You can look for the, the, the uh, uh, references on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. Uh, do not initiate any sort of supplementation of vitamin D or any sort of protocol with deep breathing or cold exposure without talking to your doctor first. I'm, again, this is for information purposes only, but the data that is presented in this paper uh, strongly suggests that a combination of cold exposure and deep breathing can reduce inflammation. Um, and it's very very important to think about this in terms of the long-term implications of prevention and or treatment of chronic inflammatory diseases. Now we need further studies to confirm these findings, um, to determine the optimal way to combine breathing exercises and cold exposure, especially in people who have pre-existing conditions. Remember, this study was done in healthy male volunteers. Um, you, you know, if you are exposed to cold or if you're doing deep breathing exercises and you have any cardiovascular or cardiorespiratory issues, that could be contraindication. Again, don't try this without checking with your doctor first. You can read this paper, The Effects of Cold Exposure Training and Breathing Exercise on Inflammatory Response on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. Um, uh, these two together, these two papers about vitamin D, cold exposure, and, and breathing exercises, I think are relatively natural ways to potentially control your inflammation. And there's a huge emerging set of data about aging and inflammaging, they call it inflammaging. So the primary, at least at this juncture, in the middle of 2023, um, inflammation is probably the best marker of aging. It's certainly a very important marker for you know, heart disease, cancer, arthritis. So anything we can do to control our inflammation is, is things we should try to work on. Sleep also can be associated or poor sleep can be associated with higher levels of inflammation. Not having social connection can be associated with higher levels of inflammation. So when you look across the board of what are the specific actionable things you can do to enhance your vitality, remember, what is that impossible mission that we're trying to one of the most important components of that is to decrease or reduce your amount of inflammation. I hope you've enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorer podcast. Again, we, we talked about choosing the impossible mission. Uh, we talked about vitamin D as the anti-inflammatory superhero. Uh, we talked about cold exposure and deep breathing as the dynamic anti-inflammatory duo. We'll repeat the quote that we had at the beginning, which is, quote, the hardest thing to see is what is right in front of your eyes. All right, and that's from Von Goeth. And I really appreciate the opportunity for anybody who's out there listening. I hope this has you know, optimized or enhanced your vitality. Uh, you can, again, find all the details on the Vitality Explorer Substack site online. Um, please share this widely with your friends and family. Please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you're 
enjoying this or Spotify or wherever you get it. You can also become a paid subscriber to the Vitality Explorer News uh, site online to gain access to over 350 scientific posts and podcasts uh, that are all based on science and Again, I hope that this is taking a little of the friction out of staying vital. Uh, You're listening to basically the homework that I've done for the last week. Uh, I try to execute on some of these things for myself, my family, my patients. Uh, And I hope until next time, you get out there, you get moving, you choose to take the impossible mission, and you dare to be vital. Thank you very much for listening.